It should be clear that right now communism is on the march with little organized opposition and no one of any real importance standing up to it. Yeah, I know, some secular leaders are saying all the right things about resisting it and how socialism will never appear in America or the UK or wherever, but in reality, we see that these ideologies are on the move and at least have the appearance of gaining widespread support. And I say appearance because we know that there are people who, when asked about their opinions on these kinds of things today, will not tell the asker the truth. They'll simply act as if they're conforming to the zeitgeist, unless they trust the person they're speaking with. And trust is in the basement in the culture right now, and for obvious reasons. Today, let's talk briefly about communism and the demoralization of society, because clearly, Western countries are demoralized, and we're now reaping the rewards of that demoralization. This could be a gigantic topic. After all, I could link demoralization to alienation, and the rather obvious program our betters have of not liking the people they rule and deciding they need new, different, and more malleable people to rule, going so far as to bring in new people as if they're a product to be bought, with no thought to the social consequences or to the common good or to the dignity inherent to the human person. Or we could talk about the demoralizing effect of shutting down parishes and the collapse of mass attendance. Honestly, I'll probably cover that later in the week, but let's look at the agents of chaos and how they are the natural consequence of demoralization of society. So let's define our terms. What is demoralization? In the communist context, we'll use the definition by Schumann, who in 1984 gave us the Soviet outline for bringing down America and the West through ideological subversion, and he would know. See if this sounds familiar. Quote, Demoralization is a systematic uprooting. In this stage, it is essential to foment skepticism, criticism, and ultimately disdain for the values and institutions undergirding the target population. One is laying the groundwork for a new generation that is ideologically compromised. Through institutions of education, culture, and the media, you subvert the dominant paradigm by a constant picking apart, a deconstruction of the foundations of the society. This is the time where your target is trying to criticize and question those parts of their society that constitute any notion of identity. All these aspects of the target society are challenged or outright subverted. All things are questioned, not for the purpose of reform, but to sow the seeds of doubt in the minds of your opponent, end quote. Sound familiar? Today, we see the agents of chaos taking the opportunity in this cultural moment to not only question anything and everything, but to implement their program from the questioning they engaged in long ago. Where did this come from? Where do you think? In public-funded institutions. Let's briefly revisit Bella Dodd. She was a former communist agent who back in like the 1930s put, uh, and on behalf of Stalin, put men in the Catholic seminary on purpose who were unfit to serve. These kinds of men who would go on to either do unspeakable things that would become headlines decades later, or who would themselves ascend the hierarchical ladder in the church and would themselves recruit men who weren't fit to be there, as well as, of course, remaking the church in their image. Or really both, as <laughs> the records have shown. If you've seen priests and bishops decrying the church by the standards of the world today, you're seeing this process of demoralization play out in the church, but Dodd wasn't alone in her activities. There were others in the party pushing for this demoralization by subverting other institutions. Name one. Yesterday, I went over the underlying theme of Vigano's letters, and you'll see that he saw all of this and saw where it was heading, so check it out if you haven't. 
Pretty much all the institutions of the West have been subverted in this way. Not only the Catholic Church, but literally every ecclesial communion of self-described Christians, as well as other religious groups as well. No institution has been spared, as is plainly evident by how many politicians and business leaders have bent the knee to the current moment in history. The subversion of America and the Western world is almost complete. Demoralization is stage one after subversion. Stage two should sound familiar. Quoting Schumann again, quote, Destabilization occurs once properly re-educated persons, particularly social and cultural elites, come into positions of prominence and power. Here, all the agitation and distraction from stage one manifests inside the organs of public opinion. Gradually, and then suddenly, making sense of things, telling right from wrong, knowing truth from falsehood, friend from foe, good from evil becomes so muddled and confused as to send the social climate into chaos, end quote. I had to clean that section up a bit, but you get the idea. The concept of properly re-educated persons is interesting here. Here's time for a personal anecdote. More than a decade ago, I worked in campus activism with the agents of chaos types you see active now, except, of course, they weren't acting the way they are now. I had a pretty generic office position, doing basically support work that no one wanted to do, and I was definitely not on the same page with all these people. I wasn't, you know, nearly (laughs) as far gone in my thought system as they were. Everyone I worked with wanted to do their activities full-time, instead of being students, which is crazy to me, but okay. But their stated goal was controlling how people think. I had a campus organizer admit this to me. A campus organizer, by the way, is someone who is paid with your tax-funded and student-fee-funded money from a non-profit so-called non-allied group to engage in activity promoting a particular agenda on campus. And this often involves voter registration and that kind of thing, but there's always an ideological bent to it. And it's always radical, and they claim to be not allied with any party because they can usually get the non-Moloch party members to agree to some of the reforms they want. But they're clearly biased and always use deception to achieve their goals. I saw this firsthand in the incubator of the social decay we see now, and you're paying for this demoralization and destabilization done at the hands of people who say they want to control how people think. And they don't even hide it anymore either, given everything going on in the culture. So what comes after demoralization and destabilization? According to Schumann, crisis and the institutionalization of the new orthodoxy. Quote, Crisis comes next. Having sown mass confusion and dysfunction into governing bodies and institutions of social influence, desperation sets in. To cope with emergent chaos and complexity of rapidly deteriorating social fabric, institutional subversives advocate for increasing bureaucratization and formalization of the nascent insurgent ideology. The ground has been prepared for deference of decision-making to unelected officials, technocrats, and functionaries, who are at this stage well-versed in the new paradigm, end quote. Sound familiar? It's even easier in the organizations with a lot of unelected people, like, say, the church. (laughs) Not that I'm advocating democratizing of the church. To be clear, I've spent like a year and a half fighting against that tendency. But the same is true for the bureaucracy of the state and of the private sector. We hear about these long efforts to go through the institutions of society and transform them from within, done decade over decade by people of influence by the likes of Adorno and Marcuse and others who pushed a new form of Marxism that focused on cultural subversion. This state of history that we're living through is the fruit of their efforts. Now what comes next? Either the institutionalization of their system, or chaos that leads to a reaction that will be unrecognizable in our cultural context. A strong leader may arise who will not constrain himself with the institutional checks on power that have been exploited by the agents of chaos. 
This is all, of course, unless the public reacts to this and rejects what we're seeing en masse. That might happen. I mean, look at what year it is. My suspicion is that the agents of chaos have pushed too hard too quickly, and the public are repulsed by what they're seeing. It could be that the public hasn't been primed quite enough yet to accept what's going on. We shall see. The Soviets referred to all of this as quote-unquote active measures. Clearly, they were masters of sanitized euphemisms like some of us are today. Schumann, who goes by another more famous name on YouTube as his material has gone viral in the past couple of years, at one time worked for the Soviets and then defected and spent the rest of his life warning Americans and anyone else who would listen about what was happening. Now, if there's any interest for it, and if I can get our lovely hosts to totally be fine with what I'm doing, I may revisit this topic and go into his writings, because yes, he has a lot of writing out there. I've been collecting what I can of them, so I can really present what we're seeing to you. But he observed, before he finally left the USSR, something disturbing about those of us who were their Soviet's targets that was true in the 70s and 80s and is still true today, 40 and 50 years later. He observed that chaos that was being sown globally at the time and how little resistance they faced, and he knew it could all be easily stopped. He said he wanted to believe that in the open societies of the West, there could be people or organizations made up of essentially cultural defenders who would see what was going on and work to stop it. He was shocked to find that this didn't really exist at all. No one was really standing up to it, not then and certainly not now. He noticed how worthless our politicians were at the time. It's still true today. The Achilles heel of this culture of the cultures in the Western world, though, is that these cultures are open. We let in pretty much anyone who wants to come in. We have rampant license that we call freedom, and historically, we claim that all ideas were subject to the marketplace of ideas, what a nonsensical term, and subject to competition like anything else. And clearly that was nonsense, and we see that now more than ever. But this openness is our Achilles heel, and it is why some of us expect some strong leader to come along and reject it all, because it is broken and is what will be blamed at least for our fall. But maybe, just maybe, people will reject this from happening. Who knows, really? But in January, I said we were in for a long decade, and I stand by that. I hope you're being prudent and getting ready for it, spiritually first, of course. And in case you're wondering what this has to do with the Catholic faith, despite the subversion and demoralization of the faith, the magisterial authority of the popes have constantly rejected this ideology for more than a century. It stands in opposition to the faith and cannot be embraced. Now, I know someone will say, what about Prelate X or Pope Y, who clearly is an agent of chaos? And you'll, you know, you'll be right. Remember, Belladod's wicked work is still bearing fruit nearly a century later, but we do have a century of or more of magisterial authority rejecting this. That's why I put that stuff up on the weekend. This is why we must return to the traditions of our faith, so to speak, reject the innovations, preserve the Catholic faith, and stay rigid in the face of the agents of chaos in collars, as well as those who occupy elected positions. But that's a story for another time. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.